Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, along with Brian Christopherson and Michael Brunt. And let's start with this. BC has really taken one for the team and has done a lot of extensive research on chicken sandwiches lately. Brian, coming off of several Popeye's experiences and obviously a lifetime of Chick-fil-A experiences, where do you now sit on the chicken leaderboard? I I like Popeye's a little better right now. Um, but it could be that I've only had it twice. And the, so it's... The newness. It's got that fresh factor to me. Uh, but I, I also actually enjoy the struggle that's going on right now as there's this demand for Popeye's chicken, but Popeye's doesn't quite have the ability to get it to the people in a timely manner. Because I sat in line for quite a while the other day and it was like 4 o'clock. So it shouldn't have been that rough, but uh, I, I I sort of appreciate this this fight that's going on. Have you considered the idea of parking, walking into the restaurant, ordering at the counter, and then avoiding sitting in the drive-through? Oh, you mean like not be lazy? That's what you're talking about? Yeah, had, I've, it's crossed my mind. I've actually heard from people that that is the quickest way to yeah, get the it sandwich. Probably is. Um, it's very good. It lives up to the hype, but. Uh, Chick-fil-A still has, I've said it on the blog, has like a Nick Saban-like precision to it that I, I can appreciate. They get you in and out. I, I trust those people to run something. Well, you're the master of sock talk. If you were to compare the Popeye's chicken sandwich, <laughs> is that the Minnesota of the Big Ten right now? And Chick-fil-A would be the Ohio State? So would you say that it's like a flavor of the month that you think might fade? Or... Well, I don't know. We don't know what the longevity of the Chick-fil-A slash PJ Flex slash Minnesota is, but it's here, and it's announced itself, and it doesn't appear to be going anywhere. It's real, and it's spectacular. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, that's a good comparison. Minnesota, I'm trying to think of what socks Minnesota would be now. Um, I'm trying to get away. I'm, it's a tough transition from chicken to socks, though. What, what, what fits like a... A team that hasn't been that good, but they're on the rise. Um, like a, I don't know, a groomsman gift, nice pair of socks. Yeah, that like you, you should. They sh- shouldn't be on you. You know, yeah. you're not the type of person that should own these pair of socks. But you were in a wedding, and they were gifted to you, and so, darn it, you're gonna wear them yeah. like, you know, twenty times a year, and you're gonna kind of put up your pants a little bit so people can see that you have that in your arsenal. And they don't fit every situation, but people universally acknowledge that they're better than expected on you. Yes, yes, uh, but they also know that you're not going to get another pair of socks like that anytime soon. So you got to really maximize so, those socks. You, you got it. Anybody can do this. Bruns, how do you feel about this talk? <laughs> it's it's a lot to take in. I haven't had the sandwich, so I can't really weigh in there. Um, I haven't either. I'll take Brian's word for it. You put a lot of thought into it, and you were texting us updates whenever you were <laughs> going. My favorite part. It felt like because you had a couple, uh, a couple of failed launches. I mean, yeah. you, you got on the launch pad. It's and been an expensive to, sandwich for one Brian Christopher. Dollar speeding ticket trying to get the sandwich the two mo- months ago. The more the more sandwiches you have, though, the cost of that ticket decreases per sandwich. So. Yeah. I can tell you need the to be a volume sandwich. I can tell the enthusiasm from you guys about hearing about the chicken sandwich from me is uh, dimming though, because like the other day I sent a text like, "Oh, I'm back, I'm back, guys," and it was one of those texts where that everybody just left the room. 
I didn't even give it like the. Well, Brunts has been borderline near death. Yeah, he was almost and dead at that. Did you time. send that on a Sunday again? <laughs> no, it was uh, it was uh, middle of the day. But Brunts was fighting a pretty bad yeah. flu bout. So. Well, if it was like Sunday or Saturday of the bye weekend, I was pretty much just avoiding everything. I I didn't hold it against you. I think I've hit my quote on chicken talk, honestly. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't think we. No one's over here rooting for it to go away. No, definitely not. So, uh, you know what people are rooting for? Anything? <laughs> yeah, good that, news. That's fair. Something. They are rooting for any good news that they can find, and it is our job to try to deliver that. Do you guys have any good news for our good folks that listen to the Husker twenty four seven show? Football's back. There is a game this weekend. I'm not entirely deciding if that's good news or bad news at this point. Um, Alabama but, lost. People like that. They like when the big dog goes down. Yeah. You had a good week of, of games last week. Football uh, recruiting is active. Yeah. I, I think this, Mike will get into this later or soon, I guess, in the podcast, but it seems like there might be a nice little visit weekend lining up for Nebraska against Wisconsin. Yeah, I, I definitely. I, there's there's going to be some changes to what the visit list looks like right now. We're not quite ready to announce those changes, and I'll certainly be on the site when we are ready. Uh, but it's going to be a good visit weekend again for Nebraska, even with the 11 a.m. kick. Uh, it should be a good weather day. And I I don't know. I shouldn't have this feeling. I've watched Nebraska play a lot this year. I certainly don't think they're going to win outright, but there's a part of me that thinks that they're going to be in this game more than probably where the general population of Nebraska fans look at it with Wisconsin. I think the Wisconsin team that dominated Michigan peaked, and the Wisconsin team that's come out of that point has been not nearly as good. Uh, but Nebraska has a lot of their own issues. We're certainly going to to get into all of that. But let's let's stick with recruiting here. They had a busy week. They offered a lot of junior college uh, linebackers, pass rushers, pass catchers, defensive backs. Uh, so they they have offers out in four different areas. What did you guys make of Nebraska's concerted effort during the bye week to really aggressively attack the junior college ranks? Well, I mean the the timing for the off the timing of the bye week kind of matched up, I think, pretty well for a lot of those offers to go out because for a lot of these guys, you're getting to the the end of the junior college season. Um, I, I think it makes sense that the positions that Nebraska's offered at. I mean, I, I think there's no question that Nebraska needs immediate help at um, you know, some kind of pass rusher, an outside linebacker. They need depth at inside linebacker. I think those are the big ones. And then, I mean, certainly you need somebody a, a little bit bigger body that can go uh, and get the ball as wide receivers. So, I mean, it's I know that there's hand-wringing about the volume of junior college offers, but I, I think a program like Nebraska has to get involved in junior college recruiting in some form or fashion, especially when you're trying to make up depth issues at uh, at spots where you've been thin basically since the staff got here. I mean, it's linebacker was a big position of concern for them when they came. It still is, and I, I think they're trying to find guys that can help them right away. And a lot of these offers, you'll probably get into this too, are four for three guys. They're, they're guys with extra eligibility. So I, I think that to me, 
it's not a surprise. I don't think it, it signifies a ton of panic either. I mean, obviously, Nebraska's class is not coming together as quick as maybe they thought it was in the summer. But this time of year, if you're not hitting um, you know, on, on guys and, and you, you find that you need help in certain areas based on how your season goes, the junior college ranks are the best way to do it. I think Nebraska, with the some of the staff they have, is poised to do that. Yeah, I... To me, so much of this has to do with Nebraska filling holes in previous classes by now sort of backfilling with guys that are around that age. And so they they have some needs at inside linebacker because it goes from Will Honus, Colin Miller, to Nick Henrich and Jackson Hanna and Garrett Snodgrass with nothing in between. So I think it makes sense why they would be looking for a junior college player there. I think it makes sense why they'd be looking for some help with the pass rush, and, and that might be an avenue for it. I I think people, and we've seen it on the message board, we're seeing it with the, the bottom of the barrel, scraping the barrel comments. I don't think it has anything to do with Nebraska's ability to bring in guys to finish off this 2020 class. I think if they wanted to go with all high school guys, they could put together a top 25 class and wouldn't have that big of a stretch to do it. That's not the issue to me it's more to do with trying to fill in gaps in your roster and doing it with some of these junior college guys and they're they're going to be looking at the graduate transfer portal or the transfer portal whatever it is the there's no question that they're going to leave a couple spots uh with with the attrition and everything else i mean they're looking at probably 22 23 in this class and then at, you know two maybe three depending on how the numbers all shake out spots available uh, to take these transfers or grad transfers. So I think they're looking at at everything, and part of that is roster management inside your own roster and recognizing that you have gaps that need to be filled. You look at these positions, it's where attrition's hit them very hard. I mean, inside linebacker, they lost a number of those guys from the Mike Riley era. We look at wide receivers, they really haven't recruited the position well, um, aside from Stanley Morgan and J.D. Spielman and DeMornay Pearsonell hasn't been a whole lot of hits between either, you know, anybody in the last three wide receivers coaches, basically. Um, so there's a lot that they kind of have to address and, and do. And so the reason the numbers are high is that they're not just chasing and hoping that they're going to get the top-end guy. That They have to leave themselves the possibility that, a guy they offer that might be six on the board is who they end up with, but they don't want to end up with nothing. It's been funny to watch, too. Uh, I know there's a couple guys that Nebraska offered this past week where you know, they had some, some Sun Belt offers, maybe a, a Mountain West offer. Nebraska offers, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get Illinois, Minnesota, uh, Arizona, a, a lot of schools involved pretty quickly. But I think Eric Chenander addressed it a little bit yesterday where he kind of said, you know, you, you have to send out more offers to these guys because you get to this time of year, guys, schools are looking at their class. Uh, you need to kind of cast a wide net and, and give yourself some options. And, and Nebraska even did that last year. I remember it seemed like they had quite a few junior college offers out late. Yeah, you keep, right. You keep moving those back a little right. bit as you, you get through your board. I mean, that that's kind of how you, you organize things. And I always hate this because I feel like people – don't believe it, but Ryan Held said today, and I'm going to put up a story on it, that this is also the kind of the perfect time of year to go through a lot of the junior college tape 
because even if you like their tape from the first time around, you wanted to see where they've made progress or if they've stunted or if teams adjusted to them and they couldn't adjust to it. So you're reevaluating certain guys. New guys emerge because junior college is sort of the ultimate pickup game in a lot of ways. Like there's a guy that's just, you know, shows up on August 25th and they've played a game on August 24th, but he might be playing for them on September 8th and, you know, starting for them by October. So uh, it's just a very different thing. And I know I kind of raised some alarms by saying, hey, this tells me something about the roster, but I do think that they found some guys. I mean, Maurice Wren I like quite a bit. He's one of those guys they just offered here recently. The Cavante Ruggs, the, the bounce back from Old Miss, he's pretty interesting. Jamoy Hodge, who's visiting this weekend, uh, he's pretty interesting. So there's you know several linebacker targets right there that I'm, I'm intrigued by. The kid that's committed to Colorado that's a defensive end, Julius Coates. I mean, his family's from Illinois. If Nebraska sticks with that recruitment, they will flip him from Colorado because his family currently will not have ways to be able to watch him play in the Pac-12. So, you know, if Nebraska wants Julius Coates and it sounds like they're headed towards a December visit and Illinois doesn't come in with an offer, there's a pretty good chance that they end up with that guy. And he could be a nice rotational depth piece for them at six foot seven, 270 pounds on the edge. So it, there's, there's a lot of different things happening here and it was good that held kind of took some time to sort of walk through what it is that they tried to do this last week as it related specifically to junior college players because it just you know when you're sitting in it and 14 offers go out it does feel like panic but there is actual strategy going on in there the other part of it is i think sometimes when people hear junior college they get worried because they're like oh it's going to be some guys who flake out and that can happen, obviously. There's reasons guys are in the JUCO ranks. But it's also true that you can find guys who, when, you know, this staff talks all the time about what's going to change this thing. It's finding guys who just freaking love football. You know, like they, they can't get enough of it. And like Deontay Williams, it's unfortunate he's not, because right now we're kind of talking about recent JUCO right. recruiting, like it's kind of been misses because of Mike Williams and John Woodyard. But, like, Deontay Williams, I fully believe, was going to be a really good player this year. And I think he will be next year when he when he comes back. And he's a guy who, if you ever talk to him about the game, he just, yeah. like, it's everything to him. And it, it's cruel what happened to him. Yeah, it is. Because he put his whole – guys like him and others in the JUCO ranks, they put everything in their life on the line, basically, to keep this football dream going. And some of, some of these guys are trying out. I've heard of spots where there's 75 guys trying out to m make 10 spots on a roster in junior college. I remember some of the the old Huskers who came here would tell stories about that. And um, so you gotta you gotta factor that in too. You just gotta do your research, and that's why the point you made about you know this time of year where there's actually okay have certain guys backed it up for a second season if it's been two seasons or how how have they really hung in there how are their grades now you get a better read on that yeah that's all that all that stuff matters i mean that's a that's why you will see nebraska they may offer a kid but then hold off on having him visit until late in december because they don't want to use a visit on a guy that's not going to qualify mm -hmm. uh, and we saw that last year with tony fair and with uh, desmond bland 
where Nebraska just had some real academic concerns and they didn't bring him in for official visits despite being committed. So worth keeping an eye on that. Uh, a couple guys that we know for sure visiting this weekend that are not junior college players. I mentioned Jamoy Hodge, the linebacker from Carolina that's at Independence Community College. But Kendall Dennis, a Lake Gibson defensive back, four-star on 24-7 sports and 24-7 sports composite. And also probably one of the names that Travis Fisher was referencing in his very rare tweet the other day. That's Lake Dennis, Florida, right? Was that? Florida? Lake yes. Dennis, Florida? Yeah. Okay. Lake, Lake Gibson, Florida. Gibson. Lake yeah. Gibson, Florida. BC probably knows it. I don't know. Well, I don't. Well, no. you're, you're the Florida expert. I can tell here. you it's stories about Pahokee, but we'll get into that <laughs> another time. Uh, so he is, uh, he is coming up for a visit, four-star defensive back. Talked with some guys in the network. Tennessee's involved. Auburn has been slow playing him, um, which is sort of interesting because at this point it looks like Auburn might have slow played their way out of, of being too involved. Uh, so Tennessee's really kind of the other team here, so there's a great opportunity for Nebraska to, to make a little hay. I've already seen where Henry Gray and Ronald Delancey, some of these guys that have been really big in the South Beach area in particular, but also just in the state of Florida, have been doing some peer recruiting on behalf of Nebraska. Uh, so that is good to see, and that can probably help out. And so I, I don't think he's going to be the only guy from the state of Florida that you're hearing about here by the end of the week. Um, you can call that some foreshadowing, if you will. Uh, but he is certainly a big visitor coming in. And then from the other side of the country, another four-star defensive back, fresh off of receiving his All-American Bowl jersey, you have Darian Green-Warren, who is supposed to visit for the Ohio State game, but will now be in Lincoln for the Wisconsin game. He is coming in as well. High school season finished out there. Uh, his high school embroiled in some controversy. I don't have all the details, but Narbonne essentially shut down from postseason play despite, uh, I think, going undefeated during the regular season. They, so. they kind of became a super team, didn't they? Yeah, I think there was a lot of uh, Augustus Hawkins going on oh. there. So uh, those of you that remember the Mike Riley era might know what I'm specifically referencing. But uh, he will have a free weekend, so he can be out here on Friday. No worries about flights for Darian Green Warren. But it'll be his first official visit, and he's also looking at Penn State, I think. Michigan, USC, whoever's hired there will be really important for Green Warren. Uh, and it sounds like he wants to make his decision at the All-American Bowl, so he will try to pull the Noah Pola Gates sign and conceal and then reveal at the All-American Bowl. So that's, uh, that's kind of your... Your recruiting rundown at the moment. We know Nebraska had coaches out uh, at a variety of different spots. You had coaches in the Northeast. You had Scott Frost in Iowa and then in the Metro and then down in Georgia. Troy Walters was with them down in Georgia. Travis Fisher was in Florida. Ryan Held spent basically time everywhere that he could possibly get uh, in a short amount of time. So they were very busy this, uh, this past bye week. Kind of a weird calendar this year, though. They only get the two weekends between the end of the season and uh, the, the dead period, right? Yeah, it makes the Wisconsin game and the Iowa game pretty important visit weekends. It looks like they already have visitors slated for, for Iowa as well. You never really know with that one, being on Black Friday, and, and flight's kind of hard to get in when it was at 11. Now it's at one thirty, makes it a little bit easier. You know, if people wanted to have Thanksgiving and then fly out early Friday morning, Nebraska would be able to accommodate that. 
so we'll see what that visit list looks like, but they're they're going to be very busy basically from the start of last week until the dead period hits after signing day in December, trying to get this class as close to 20 or 21 as possible, leaving a couple spots for those guys. And there's going to be some interesting people. Uh, I'm going to be writing about one for the site later this week uh, of you know guys that are choosing right now to, to wait until after that December period because they want to see where it takes their recruitment. Well, the coaching carousel is going to start to spin pretty quickly here. I mean, it already has. I mean, you've got Florida State open, Arkansas is open. Who are you forgetting, Rutgers? Rutgers, well, that's going to close. The pretty, jewel of New Jersey? That, that's going to close quickly, I think. Um, oh, with Greg well, Sh- do you have news for us? Well, no, Greg Shiano's been pretty much, it, it's on the one-yard line, everybody says. Yeah? Yeah. What about Joe Moorhead? What about him? <laughs> he, they, there was talk. Yeah, there's no, it's Shiano or bust. Wow. That's what my, my people are saying. How do you feel about <laughs> that? people in Jersey. My people in Jersey are saying <laughs> Brunts has people in He's Jersey. He's the only guy that's ever won there, right? Brunts would be someone who has people in Jersey. Brunts actually has people in Jersey, right? You have family that lives out there? I got a few people in Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Now, hey. that I, now that I sit here and think about it. Uh, USC. I mean, and whatever kind of shakes out from, from where, uh, who goes there. So it would be interesting. Interesting couple weekends after the, the season ends to see how that all settles. I can also tell those kids who are debating coming on a recruiting trip for Black Friday, they should learn at this point in their life, Thursday evening's a great time to travel. You get away. At 5 o'clock, you need to cut it off with the family on Thanksgiving and just head out. You don't want to be around that. Too much family? Yeah. It, it, doesn't it always pewter out at like 5 o'clock? I try to condense my family time into like a one-day five-hour block, and yeah. so basically 11 to 4 kind of fits that perfect parameter. You just, just drink from the family fire hose for five hours and you're done? Yeah. I'm usually, I'm not the guy that needs to like the three full days of family time, but my family's a lot, so. <laughs> None <laughs> of them listen to this podcast. I'm not worried about insulting a single person. I'm not either. Today. I love my family, but I, there's a yeah. it's quitting time. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, it says something when your family... Your family holiday gathering has its own Twitter account, so <laughs> that's to, to try to keep sanity during the whole thing. You've read that Twitter account. I've, I've you fo- met these people. I follow it in the, during the holiday season. All right, uh, that's enough about my family and Brian's probably too, yeah. and your people in Jersey. All right, let's take a quick time out here. When we come back, we'll get into Nebraska, Wisconsin a little bit, but we won't steal the thunder of the hype cast, which returns on Friday, and of course. We got some Nebraska basketball talk as well. And uh, as that noise by Brunts indicates, it may not be the most positive experience. We can keep it short. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. And we are back. Thank you to whatever sponsors filled the last 30 seconds of your life. Maybe it was a minute. I'm not sure. I don't know how these things work. Anyways, Husker 24-7 podcast rolls on. And let's uh, let's discuss a little bit of football. Brunch, you were saying that Nebraska's uh, a little banged up going into this matchup with Wisconsin. Well, I mean, it, Troy Walters didn't sound uh, particularly confident today that Wandale Robinson is going to be available uh, for for Saturday, Saturday's game, I mean, he said, you know, game time decision. Said he's banged up. I mean, he, Nebraska doesn't really like talking about injuries, anyways. And he was kind of dosy doing around what's going on with yeah. Lawndale. Um, and you know, he didn't go back in the game uh, at the end against Purdue. Uh, I don't th- think he practiced uh, during the bye week. So that's a big absence to potentially watch for um, the other. Uh, Darian Daniels, we've seen him walk off the practice field twice this week. Uh, twice he's not been dressed for practice, uh, just in uh, the jersey and, and swishy pants. So he had cleats on today, I noticed, but uh, doesn't really look promising. Uh, I haven't really heard anything about his status, but that's another thing to watch uh, heading into that game. Obviously, with Wisconsin wanting to run the ball, and Nebraska wanting to do everything in its ability to stop the ball, that would be a large absence. So uh, maybe two injury storylines to watch heading into that game. Troy Walters said Wandale Robinson a game-time decision, so we'll see what happens there. This is uh, as of Wednesday at 1 o'clock. Yeah, the only thing I could say with the Darian Daniels thing is he's the type of guy who, even though he didn't practice, I suppose you could say – he, he's played this game long enough that yeah. um, kind of treat it like an NFL type of guy in a way. If he can physically um, go out there and play and is cleared, I suspect yeah. that he will be out there and playing, whether he went through walkthrough or not. But, yeah, that's it's it's definitely con- concerning. I think that it sounds like the QB health situation has cleared up a bit. Um, you know, McCaffrey's had on a knee brace, but I think he could even be available. Uh, be his final game? Uh, he's got two two left, right? He's got two left, doesn't he? No. Who? McCaffrey. Uh, he oh, would have well the helmet. Helmet game. Uh, helmet Indiana, so he would have yeah, two. two. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you could you could go. I think the QB run game. We'll get in this hype cast, but I I think it's going to be vital for Nebraska because I think it's the one thing Nebraska can show that Wisconsin hasn't seen a lot of necessarily this year on defense. They haven't seen a lot of running quarterbacks and. Mario Verduzco talked today about, you know, Adrian's, you know, he's got to be decisive. And I, I thought Mario was pretty honest about, you know, there's there have been some moments of indecision. And this coaching staff's kind of been reluctant to say that, I think, about him. But um, I think it's at this point kind of clear, it, you know, that in certain cases he's not trusting himself. And you wonder if he's overthinking it and trying to be perfect. That's what Mario Verduzco said. Brunch, you talked with Greg Austin. Uh, what did you hear from the offensive line coach 
going into going to be a tough battle against Wisconsin's front. Yeah, communication is going to be key. You know, Wisconsin will mix and match their fronts, which Purdue did, I think, and kind of caught Nebraska off guard on a couple things. Uh, the, the one thing that Wisconsin, regardless of who is in the game, who they have personnel-wise, is that they've always been able to, to really kind of mix and match well on third down and really get after guys that this year's defense uh, is, is a step better than what last year was. And I think that uh, it's going to be really important for Cam Jurgens to a snap well, which he has done better uh, in the last few games, but also to really identify guys, uh, blitzers, and communicate well uh, with his offensive line. That was the big takeaway uh, from, from, from Greg Austin. Um, you know, I, I think he feels like that group is starting to play a little bit more consistently. That um, They're going to be tested pretty significantly down the stretch here. I mean, Wisconsin's front is very good. Uh, they're going to be facing probably a top-five draft pick uh, against Iowa with, with Epinesa. So we're going to see how, how good that front is, and especially those two tackles uh, this week in, in, in the finale. But that, that was kind of his takeaway. I don't, there was some recruiting talk there too, but um, – yeah, definitely a, a big game for those guys to not only pass block, but uh, to try to get a little bit of movement up front as well. Are you guys ready to talk about the freshman name of the week? Not Ramirez Johnson, not Quentin Newsom, not uh, Ty Robinson. Are you ready for it? Chris Hickman? It is Chris Hickman. Chris Hickman appeared on the depth chart at wide receiver. Yes. And Chris Hickman played a little bit against Purdue. Chris Hickman received some accolades when I talked with Sean Becton today about his blocking downfield uh, and just general sort of explosiveness that they've seen from him at times throughout practice. Uh, what do you guys make of the rise of Chris Hickman here during his freshman year? I think it's fair to say they're pretty surprised by it. Like it, it, I got the impression going back in fall camp when Chris Hickman was coming off the shoulder injury that he was on a one-way ticket to Red Shirtsville. Yeah, like they they didn't get a, a chance to see him in the spring because he was hurt. Uh, I didn't get the impression that Sean Becton particularly thought that he was going to be involved much in what they were going to do at all this season. And I, I think you know Scott Frost even mentioned it. I want to say it was in the maybe the first three four weeks of the season with him that he was really surprised by the way that he got after guys as a blocker. Um, was really impressed by that, and I. I I don't blame him. I mean, he, he showed up pretty thin. Uh, didn't really get a chance to work out a ton in the off season, but uh, I think it's to his credit that he's kind of put himself in a position to at least be talked about. I we can get into the whole thing with the the four game rule and about you know whether there's unfair expectations about whether a guy's going to play or not because I, I think there's a little bit of that. But um, I, I I think he's an intriguing guy because he can line up in the backfield. He can play a little bit of wide receiver. I think he can play tight end in the future. So I think he's a, he could be a nice piece for Nebraska going forward in the future. He's got a great frame, too. I mean, I think he's going to be the type of guy who, when we show up in the spring, or he'll, he'll look a little different. He'll be like, oh, it's starting to change. And then I think by fall camp next year, I could see him being a guy where, like, okay, that's a completely different look on a guy who has all the tools to go with it. He just, I felt like, needed a year, and that's what really Sean Becton has challenged um, 
him with. He said right off the bat when he got here, you got to gain 20 pounds, basically, 15 mm-hmm. to 20 pounds of muscle, and that's got to be your priority this season. So you're right. That was really what his year was supposed to be, gain weight, learn things and gain weight. And I thought when he was out there the opening series, uh, he had two nice blocks um, when he was in the game. He was actually sick as a dog, we learned, from Scott Frost and didn't want to tell anybody because he wanted to play. Uh, so he's kind of showing that I didn't know a lot about him personality-wise before he got here and how he was going to fit, but he's really showing that he's kind of a guy, I think, who is showing that he loves football, and that's what this staff likes. So. Yeah, well, and they need contributions wherever they can get it. And We know that their blocking on the outside has been poor for most of the season. Uh, it was poor at times against Purdue, too. So if he can help them in that regard, it certainly would be interesting. And I think part of the reason why, at least in fall camp, there wasn't much expectation for Chris Hickman is that he was behind four guys at that time, and one of them in Katerian Legrone. I still think Nebraska was expecting uh, that they were going to get quite a bit out of, and obviously his situation and status remains unresolved uh, as he remains on indefinite suspension. So uh, Chris Hickman taking advantage of opportunity as it presents itself is always a good thing. Well, opportunity presented itself for a number of the guys that transferred to Nebraska basketball this year and the Huskers have started off 0-2 went into what would not be making ESPN Classics uh, you know game of the year list anytime soon in a double overtime loss to Southern Utah but uh, Brunts BC what have you seen out of basketball so far at the start of this season you want to go you want me to go you guys want to rock paper scissors um I, I mean, I thought they improved the second game. I thought they, they took some steps, but... Uh, How? I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I want you to expand on that a little I bit because I think it's an important point. I, I was sitting up in the 200s for that one, and I thought, I thought they played better defense for the majority of it. They had some lapses. There was times where I thought, man, they're really getting after it defensively, and it feels like they really bought into whatever they've been talking about the last two days. Uh, they were closing on shooters better and some things like that. I think Kevin Cross, he's a guy. I like what he can do for this team this year. Um, as he, he had a really bad first game just shooting the ball, um, but I thought he played a little bit better. And uh, Unfortunately, Cam Mack, I, he had that stretch where he really took over the game, and it looked like he had Nebraska in the win column by doing it. I think they're up like 14. And... Uh, then he had some tough moments late uh, with kind of the miss alley oop and uh, with Gervais. That was a great play design, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that was the call out of the timeout too. It was it was a great call. Uh, but the, I guess the thing I settle on that's disappointing is I know it's a new team and all that, but you're up 14 on Southern Utah in the second half with what 12 minutes or whatever it was left. Mm-hmm. You know, close the deal. It, it's been surprising, and maybe it shouldn't be, but. You know, you have so many new guys, so many moving pieces, new system, whatever. It just seems like in both of these games, you know, when, when things have turned, they've turned. I mean, like they, you're up 14 fairly late in that game. And, and, you know, Southern Utah, they got some long athletic guys. But, I mean, that, that's a game that you should be able to close out. It's not like you're, you're playing Michigan State. And I, I guess – you know, you did see progress from game one to game two. I, I agree. I, I thought, especially in the perimeter, 
I thought that they played better defense uh, against Southern Utah than they did against Riverside. Um, you know, I, the, the thing that's going to be curious going forward is if Nebraska starts shooting the ball better. Because I, I guess that's been the most surprising thing to me was you know, we knew that this team was going to have to push the pace. And when they've done that, I think they've looked pretty good offensively. I think where they've struggled is you know when when they've got had to get into half court sets that when they get slowed down and where you're asking a guy to um make a shot from the outside it just doesn't seem like the shot selection is maybe as good it wasn't as good in the second game uh, against southern utah as maybe it was in the first game because I thought, I thought they had good looks against riverside um so how, how they kind of function in that half-court offense is going to be interesting to follow because I, I would imagine that the further they get into the season and the more opponents see tape on them, they're going to do everything in their power to try to, well, A, go to the offensive glass, but B, try to slow down that pace and really make Nebraska earn it in the half-court offense. And so far, I don't think that they've shown that they can do that with consistency. Yeah, I mean, in evaluating this team, everybody who watches it close who – really pines for Nebraska basketball to, you know, take that step. I think you just have to look at this season, and you probably knew this a week ago or a week and a half ago, but you definitely know it now. This is about figuring out who is that nucleus of core guys that are still around in a year or two. I mean, let's be honest, it's a a free agent game with college basketball now. Um, That's not predicting specific guys, but we know how the system works Mm -hmm. at this point. And it's about Hoiberg and those that coaching staff finding, okay, these are four or five guys that can fit into these roles if we bring in this guy to do this around it. And so that's what you're looking for this season. You're trying to, I think you're trying to find four to five guys, even if we're not talking about like that they're a starter here in two years. Like maybe there's some guy who um, is a seventh or eighth man, but he fits a certain role. Right. And that's what you're trying to calculate now. Yeah, I mean, and it's the, the other part that, I mean, we knew was going to happen. We knew they were going to be challenged to, to rebound. It's going to it's gonna be ugly some nights in the Big Ten. But, I mean, that, that was what Southern Utah did in that game in the second half to come back. I mean, I think they, they had a 12 or 13 rebound advantage at Nebraska at one point halfway through the second half. And, you know, to, to the credit of guys like Cam Mack, who's rebounding, you know, at, at a pretty high rate. I mean, he's basically been on triple-double watch the last two games. Uh, you know, you, you need other guys on the wings to come in and be able to rebound. But, uh, you know, Shamil Stevenson's situation's kind of hanging out there, too. I think he would help him a lot on the glass because he's a little bit of a, a bigger body uh, that could help him uh, down low. But, uh, you know, that, that that's going to kind of continue to be a little bit of a weight they're going to have to overcome every night because – if you can't rebound, you can't run, and Nebraska's spending a lot of energy right now, I think, just trying to play teams even on the glass. And the Jacks are next, right? Friday? Friday night, 8 p.m. They got two back-to-back Friday games, and then they're off to the Cayman Islands for that tournament. Yes, with uh, the Bill Moose uh, special against Wazoo. <laughs> no, we're in Kent. No. Nope. All right, uh, is there anything we didn't cover? I think we covered what we needed to. Yeah, where you hit chicken I mean, sandwiches, sock yeah. talk. Garrett Nelson got a black shirt. Throw that in there. That was nice. Yep, Danny Jackson, Jackson got one as well. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anything else that uh, I'm sure we provided lots of happiness and reason for people to be happy. 
Uh, and that's what we set out to do today. We're, we're throwing at parties. <laughs> that's, that's certainly certainly true. Do you want to hear about my surgery? <laughs> uh, that's not a real story. It's just like what I'd say at a party. Yeah. Get it. All right, go ahead. I <laughs> have no idea how I'm supposed to finish it after that. Just finish it. I thought to myself, man, you had surgery? That was quick. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. All right, well, we'll be back with another podcast on... Friday with the Husker Hypecast, and we'll have the third shift on Saturday where we talk about Nebraska's game against Wisconsin. And then this podcast resumes next week as we get ready for the last road game of the regular season. Crab cakes and football. Exactly. We'll see how many times that joke can wear itself out over the course (laughs) of a week. And you have just listened to the Husker 24-7 podcast.